Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's up, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. We're back at you. This time, the Dodgers are up three games to two on the Tampa Bay Rays. Five games in the books so far in the World Series. And you know what that means. The Dodgers are just one win away from the World Series. We're going to start with Jake Reiner today. What's up? Hey, Kevin. David, good to be here. Um, I'm feeling a lot better than I did after game four. Uh, following Game Five's victory, although I must say that I was uncomfortable during the entirety of Game Five, uh, there were a couple of spots where I thought uh, disaster was looming. And good thing it was only looming, and that it didn't come to fruition because the Dodgers bullpen held firm, and they really needed it to. And I was super happy with how things played out last night. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about Games Five, Game Four, a little bit. And then we're going to preview game six and I guess discuss a possible game seven scenario as well and answer a few listeners questions. But in the meantime, what's up, David? Um, Tell us about your thoughts last night too. How's it going, Kevin, Jake, uh, everybody. All I got to say is I'm just happy for Clayton Kershaw. He, he really showed the haters what was up this postseason, Um, except for one start uh, where he got, you know, left out there to die in the Braves series. He really put on a show this postseason. Two, 293 ERA, five walks, 37 strikeouts, four wins, four quality starts. I'm just happy for this man. This narrative is, is finally put to bed, I, I would hope, unless you know there's uneducated takes out there. Uh, but it's, it's great to see his contribution to get this team one win away from a World Series. Also, yes. I just want to add real quickly, now, now that we're on the subject of, of Kershaw real quick, he now has the most strikeouts in MLB postseason history at 207. Yep. So if we're talking about playoff Kershaw, let's put some respect on his name and not have it be a bad connotation because Kershaw has shown up in the playoffs more often than not. Yeah, And it's other- not just strikeouts. I saw like five or six other random stats where it was just he – only Clayton Kershaw has done this in the postseason. Only Clayton Kershaw has done this in the postseason. So, you know, he gets a bad rap, which, you know, I, I understand for casual fans and, and, you know, opposing fans who hate the Dodgers, but you can't – there's nothing left to say at this point. Not too surprised with how good Kershaw has been in the World Series. We saw it in 2017 outside of one um, staled game with some cheating involved. Kershaw was lights out most of that 2017 postseason too. So I think to the real Dodgers, truthers, we kind of saw this coming. So let's talk about last night. The Dodgers coming off a game five win, final score of four to two. 
Clayton Kershaw, as we just mentioned, defeated Tyler Glass now yet again. Kershaw went five and two-thirds innings, allowed five hits, two earned runs, six strikeouts, putting, putting him all on the all-time list in the postseason, as mentioned. This was not Kershaw's most sharp outing, so I'd like to start here. Yet he managed to work his way through, only allowed those two runs to the Rays. And I think the most pivotal part of this game happened in the fourth inning when it was first and third, nobody out. Kershaw got the first two batters out. And then Manuel Margot, on his own willingness, decided to try to steal home plate. Kershaw was not thrown off. He avoided a box, stepped off the mound the right way, made a picture-perfect throw to Austin Barnes, who held on and tagged Margot out in the face. So... Let's start there. Yeah, I don't think people realize how, how difficult that is in that situation not to balk as a pitcher. Uh, first of all, he's got his back towards the runner. Second of all, he's got that long pause at the top of his windup. Uh, and, you know, when you hear a teammate like, like Muncie yelled, step off, you know, naturally an, an inexperienced pitcher, possibly a rookie or, or even a veteran, is just going to, you know, immediately step off and not be able to have the presence of mind to, to step off before you just throw home. Uh, so credit to Clayton Kershaw there. He he gave credit to, uh, I believe it was Carlos Gomez who who tried it on him in the uh, 2017 World Series. Uh, so hopefully you know that he learned from that, and and obviously he did. Uh, but it's that's not you can't take for granted how how you know smart of a play it was to to actually step off first. Yeah, and uh, honestly, that was the the moment of the game. And that whole inning was was the moment of the game. To to go from first and third and nobody out, the, the Dodgers only had a one-run lead at that point. I was thinking we were lucky to get out of that situation with just giving up one run. And to give up no runs in that inning just goes to show you that even though Kershaw didn't have his best stuff, he still can be as dominant as that. And that is what we have to take away from this, is that even with all of his pitches not going the way he wanted it to, he didn't dominate like he did in game one. He was still able to get out of that situation unscathed. I I couldn't believe it. And it makes sense, too, that because we've seen Kershaw, when he gets runners on base, he tends to get tougher. He just bears down and gets tougher. And in his in his career, he has a 206 batting average against with men on base. And then with runners in scoring position in his career, he has a 195 average against him. So historically, he's done well with runners on base. But to get out of that situation like that was just huge. And then that set up the Muncie solo shot, which was a big insurance run to give the Dodgers a two-run lead. Yeah, the Muncie home run was sexy at best so i'll i'll drop the stat right now since you brought it up the dodgers broke a world series record by having nine different players hit a home run in the same world series that's just insane just to think about nine players that's an entire starting lineup yeah in like this huge stadium too yeah even more crazy so back to where kershaw was uh the sixth inning two pitches two outs Roberts then decides to pull Kershaw, but we kind of knew this coming if you were paying attention to the pregame notes. He had a 21 batter limit, so Roberts stuck to what he said. He went with Dustin May, despite the fans booing Roberts, not anyone else, because they wanted to see Kershaw in the game. Dustin May comes in the game, and this is probably the best I've seen Dustin May since the NLDS, I guess you could say. Went one and two-thirds innings, 30 pitches, two strikeouts, David, this is your boy, so why don't you walk us through it? Yeah, what we saw last night is what Dustin May is capable of doing every night. Uh, The jitters were gone. Uh, He relied on the fastball, the two-seamer. He didn't try to get cute. The command was there. Uh, And I think what he said in the postgame is they finally gave him a defined role. They said, look, we're going to put you in the bullpen. We're going to rely on you to get outs. He took that mentality to heart. He, he went out there, didn't, didn't, you know, didn't mess around, didn't have – he knew he didn't have a lot of room for error, so he just stick to what he was best at. And that right now in his young career is his heater. Uh, he had command from the start. He, he mixed in some curveballs, didn't hang any, kept them low, uh, and it worked out terrifically. I mean, this kid is an absolute superstar in the making. Uh, we saw a glimpse of it last night. And, and I just wanted to add on to that because um, 
I think it's important for Dustin May to have a defined role. I think that that is huge. Um, I, I, I don't, I didn't agree with how they were handling him uh, earlier in this series and in the NLCS where um, he played the role of opener and then he would come out of the bullpen and relieve certain pitchers. I, I didn't agree with that because he's a, he is a starter. So if he's going to pitch the first inning and similarly like with Tony Gonsolin, which we'll get into, but those guys are starters. And so if you're going to have them pitch the first inning, you can't have them be openers. You can't have them uh, come in and just do one inning. That, that's going to mess up their rhythm and their psyche. But if you tell a guy, hey, you're coming out of the bullpen for the rest of this series, and we're going to ask you to get some big outs late in the game, that is something you can focus in on. And that is something that you can really, uh, you know, roll with. As opposed to telling Dustin May, you know, four, three hours, four hours before the game, hey, you're starting game one. And oh, by the way, you only, you know, we only need you for one inning. Now, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about before we, we get past the Dustin May part, which is that Dave Roberts had a lot of jump ball decisions, or as uh, David likes to say, a coin flip decisions last night. And there were a lot of different scenarios where you could look at it. And for me, I was on the fence uh, on a lot of these decisions. One of them was taking Kershaw out at this point. Even though that was the game plan, Kershaw had gotten two outs pretty quickly in that bottom of the sixth on, you know, consecutive pitches, only two pitches to get two outs. And you could, you know, I, I would have been okay had they let him finish that inning. But they brought in May. He did really well. He, he pitched, a, a, you know, a couple more innings, and, and it worked out fine. But those were, there were a couple of decisions, and we can get into that a little bit later, on, on, on where we fall on, on those decisions. As opposed to game four, where the decisions he made were absolutely incorrect. Dave Roberts is a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of manager. That's yep. a great way to put it. Last night we saw Jekyll. I think he, he pushed all the right buttons. You know, I did not like how they used May in game two, but in game five, I think it was ultimately the perfect decision and it was a great spot to put May in. And, you know, we didn't have to see Kenley Jansen, Pedro Baez, Joe Kelly, the other weak links. So after may got his job done gonzalez was able to set the table for blake trinan who even though he allowed the lead, the leadoff man to reach base after that trinan was as filthy as we had ever seen him in a dodgers yeah. uniform he had two strikeouts i think he topped out at 98 miles per hour it was insane the so. sinker the sinker to kit to strike out adamas at the end of the game was one of the nastiest pitches i've seen all year yeah, that was that was huge, and it was on his third consecutive day of work. Yeah, he left it all out there that night. He knew he knew it too. Yeah, yeah. so that's pretty much all I have to say about this game. I, just to plug in Locker Room, which is an upcoming app. Me and Jake talked about it before the game yesterday. We said four runs was going to be the magic number, and we were on the same page. And they scored four runs, so and they got go. it done. Yeah. Um. One one point I did want to discuss with you guys because I found it to be an interesting one, which is. When they brought in Gonzalez, originally Kevin Cash had set up G-Man Choi to pinch hit, and that's why Roberts went to Gonzalez, the lefty on lefty. But as soon as G-Man Choi was announced, Cash took him out in, in favor of Mike Brasso, the righty. So you have Gonzalez facing Brasso and then a Rosarena, as opposed to May facing Choi and a Rosarena. And it, were, it ended up working out, but a lot of people were, were a little kind of upset or mystified at that decision. I actually liked it because when you think about uh, – he ends up walking Brasso, but when you think about a Rosarena, he hits a fastball like no one else. And yep. May's, one of, May's best pitch, I think, at this point is his fastball, whereas Gonzalez has a pretty nasty slider. And Gonzalez threw one pitch to a Rosarena, a slider, and he was able to get him to pop up. So for me, that was that was the right call in that scenario. I don't know how, where you guys fall on that. I completely agree. I mean, Roberts Roberts knew that after they sent up Choi that they could call him back and, and bring up Rosso because they did that same exact thing. I think it was in game two. Uh, and I'll take that matchup over May against Choi and Rosarena pretty much all the time. And that's not an indictment on May. Uh, that's just playing the matchups. I'll take... 
Gonzalez is breaking stuff against those two guys versus May's fastball against those two guys because those Troy and a Rosarena destroy fastballs. And it doesn't matter if it's 101 and it breaks it breaks six feet off the plate. Uh, I'll take Gonzalez backdoor slidering them and, and, and you know, keeping it down all day. Uh, it's someone made, I forget who it was who made a good point on Twitter. It's that shows a tremendous amount of confidence in Victor Gonzalez. Uh, and he's, he's earned that. Uh, but that's a that's a really tough spot to come in as a rookie and and get that assignment. Also, um, to to that point as well, like because Cash announced or because they announced G Man Choi and then Cash pulled him out, he essentially burned G Man Choi. So now yeah. G Man Choi can't come into this game. Obviously, it's the second and, time, right? And so he's lost a big bat. Uh, to, to potentially pinch hit against uh, Trinan. Yep. All right, side, uh, side tangent, unless you have something to say real quick. I did have something, one more thing to say about that inning with Gonzalez because I don't think that the catch made by Cody Bellinger to end the inning is getting enough love. Yeah. And Mike Petrello does a great job for MLB.com. He breaks it down about how uh, difficult that catch was. It was a 45% catch probability. And for Bellinger, who was out, uh, not in center field in game four, he was the DH because he was dealing with some tightness in his back. Mm-hmm. To have him back in center field and able to run down that ball, get a great jump and make that catch is huge because if that ball drops in the game, uh, then uh, the Rays would score a run in that scenario. But that catch was extremely difficult to make. And Petrello does a really nice job of breaking it down of other similar plays where the center fielder doesn't get to that ball and for Bellinger to make that catch was just beautiful. And he's been making some amazing defensive plays throughout the playoffs. He made that easy too. He had plenty of room. We actually have a question about Cody Bellinger in center field later on, but we'll cover that when we get to game four. So my side tangent real quick, I think Willie Adamas is a dirty player and I don't mean that in a way like malicious or trying to harm players. So I'm starting to get some heat on Twitter, I noticed, by some Rays fans. But when I say dirty player, he's kind of finding this gray area where he can push Dodgers off the bags, and he's been getting away with it. Yesterday, we saw Austin Barnes steal a base, but because Adamus kind of pushed him off, they ruled Barnes out. And then when Max Muncy was trying to stretch a single into a double, there's Adamus again pulling him down with him, so they called Muncy out. Just wanted to say that. I, you know, I think I see your point, but honestly, I think that's just smart baseball. If they're not going to call it, why would he stop doing it? Uh, he's not producing at the plate, really. Uh, he's making a difference <laughs> exactly how he knows how he can. And then that's basically stealing at least one out. Because uh, I, I think the Muncie one was a lot worse than the Barnes one. I think it was pretty clear he, he guided Max down. Uh, Barnes, you know, came, looked like he was shot out of a cannon. He was running so fast and dove so hard into second base, but, uh, Hey, credit to Adamas. I mean, I, I can't hate on it. Yeah, I agree. So game four, this one was a tough one. The final score, if you need a reminder, the Rays win eight to seven. So we'll start with Julio Urias, who he did a really great job. He went four and two thirds innings. He had nine strikeouts. But in that fifth inning, Roberts decides to pull Urias, who his pitch count wasn't too crazy high. I think it was in the 80s for Blake Trinan. Trinan does his job, gets the out. But then in the next inning, in the sixth, Trinan gets into a little bit of trouble. Uh, David, I'll, I'll let you defend Trinan if you want real quick. I think you made a good point about the sit down, which is kind of what we've seen with Kenley Jansen in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think the biggest error of this game for Roberts was not letting Arias finish that fifth inning. Uh, you knew you were going to use Trinan at some point, and the man up was, uh, I believe it was Yandy Diaz, who Arias had already retired twice. Uh, I think you give him one more batter. If he doesn't get him out, you, you go to Trinan for a Rosarena. Uh, but what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about here is when you, when you use a reliever, and it took one pitch for Blake Trinan to get Diaz out, but when you use a reliever for one inning and you force him to sit down and come back out for the next inning, that absolutely messes with their psyche, with their you know, arm. Uh, they're not used to sitting down. They're used to coming in from the bullpen, pitching, and being done. They're not used to coming in from the bullpen, pitching, sitting, and coming back out to pitch more. 
so using your high leverage reliever in that situation, you know, with no one on and, and a guy, Arias, has already retired twice and then forcing him to go out there is kind of setting him up to fail, in my opinion. I mean, that doesn't excuse, you know, the, some of the poor pitches Trinan made, uh, but it absolutely uh, affects them and it absolutely affects everything going forward. Uh, and then it, that that basically started the, the domino effect of having to use Pedro Baez, sending him back out there again, which I'm sure you two want to talk about. Well, I mean, uh, well, I, he didn't have to use Pedro Baez. That's the, that's the thing that really bothered me about that, where it was like, what, what metric in the world? I mean, it, just looking at it from an eye test, you know, and, and I, I think Pedro has, has, has pitched well in in a number of different scenarios for the Dodgers even in this postseason he's pitched well in clean innings but just based on watching him over his entire career with the Dodgers what gives you the indication that he is a guy you want in there with runners on base like that to me was like a huge huge moment because he gave he gave up the lead on one swing he shook off Smith it was calling for a changeup. There was a meatball down the middle, and uh, Brandon Lau crushes it, and th- there goes the lead. So that right there was just so unacceptable um, to, to bring him in in that scenario. Now, Baez, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due, and I'll you know attack anybody that deserves to be attacked. Baez definitely needs to produce in that scenario. There, I'm not excusing that. But knowing what you know about Baez, it falls on the manager's shoulders in that scenario to not put him in that situation. It was a horrible call. I mean, game two of the NLCS, we had an identical scenario. But this one, even worse. I mean, at least in the other game, Baez, he, he didn't allow the home run. He just allowed the runners to score. But this time, Brandon Lau, a lefty bat, and yes, Baez had held lefties during the regular season to like a 102 average, given it's a smaller sample size. So I don't know how much stake you can put into that. But I mean, you had Victor well, if Gonzalez. Dave, if you're Dave Roberts, you put a lot of stake into it. You had Gonzalez in the pen. You could have even gone Adam Kalerik, but you instead go with Baez, who has historically failed with runners on base in every postseason. So I don't know how this was going to change. And Lau had already hit two home runs off righties, them being Gonsolin and May. So this was just the third, this time a three-run shot. And so then the Rays take the five to four lead, but the Dodgers actually respond. So Brandon Lowe goes from the highs to the low because Jock Peterson gets a clutch two-run single, barely going off Lau's glove. Dodgers retake the lead. But then Dave Roberts decides to put Pedro Baez back in the game after he had told him initially, you're done for the night. So Baez probably mentally checks out. But because the Dodgers retook the lead, Roberts goes into his Mr. Hyde mindset, throws Baez back out there. He allows a solo home run to Kevin Kiermeyer, another lefty bat. So we got a 6-6 ball game. Fortunately, Corey Seager who's just been on fire the entire postseason, I'll read some numbers later, gets the go-ahead RBI single. Dodgers are up 7-6. to six. Bruce Star Gratterall is going to pitch in the bottom of the eighth. He only gets one out or so. So then we'll, we'll take you to the ninth. Kenley Jansen comes in to close, and this is where it gets pretty ugly. So how do you guys want to start this one off? It starts with a lucky Kevin Kiermeyer single, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, broken it was bat. the broke, almost broken bat. Uh, you know, Kenley made a good pitch, and Kiermaier was able to get a bat on it. And then, you know, just just the wheels just fell off. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, we all watched the game. I think what, what really it comes down to is Kike almost making that catch on the single and uh, basically Kenley not making a pitch on one-two. And then everyone in the field – making a terrible play. Yeah, Everyone so, involved in that play. So here's Taylor, the question. Awful. Muncy, uh, Smith, and then Kenley. At not backing it up. CPZ on Twitter wants to know, do you think the outcome is different if Bellinger was playing center field in game four? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was a little bit of bad luck that Bellinger had slept on his back the wrong way. However, yeah. that happened. I heard some people – I mean, people- look – 
Look, here's the thing. Yes, Taylor booted the ball, but Arena also fell down. So <laughs> even if Taylor, I mean, because Taylor did recover, he made a strong throw to Muncie. Muncie made a bad throw to the plate. Smith thought, didn't know that Arena had fallen down. So he was ready to do a swipe tag, but he misses the ball, basically boots it away. And uh, Arena is allowed to score. If, Cody Bellinger was in the game. Let's say Cody Bellinger makes a clean play. Maybe a Rosarena doesn't try to score, or maybe they maybe they have an easier he, he time wouldn't try to score. Out. He was on first base, right? So maybe he doesn't he doesn't try to score, and then you and then you have one more opportunity to get out of that inning. I had a, I had a very strong feeling that if the Dodgers were able to keep it a tie game, they would have won. Um, I just thought that the way that their offense was responding to these things, they, they were, they were in a groove and they were going to, they were going to walk it off. I would not walk it off, but they were going to stay with the away team, but they were going to pull ahead and, and win the, and win that. And game. they would have had to use the Rays were getting ready to use Snell also. That yeah. was going to be their next pitcher. But on the question, uh, I forget exactly where in the game it was. I, it might've been in that ninth inning, but a ball dropped right in front of Jock Peterson. Uh, and you know, if Bellinger's playing center, that means Taylor's playing left, and Taylor's a lot more fleet of foot than Peterson, and he makes that catch. I think it was yeah. the eighth or the ninth, uh, but absolutely, that does Bellinger playing center? I think we have a different result. Well, I, I just think the I just think the whole game was uh, was decided when when Pedro Baez not only came into the game but then stuck around and stayed in the game, and the decision to to take him out and leave him in. And, and I couldn't believe that Roberts admitted to that after in the post game that he had actually changed his mind. Like I couldn't I believe. I, I don't know why he does post game interviews. Every single time he does it, he just makes everyone more angry and he makes himself look dumber. I know, but at least come up with some answer. Like, you know, I liked Pedro Baez, you know, facing this part of the lineup or he, you know, give some matchup number that, you know, no, it was, it was like, it was just, it was just a dumb move. Like that's all it was, and and to and to me, it's like that's unacceptable. That is unacceptable to allow a guy to give up a three-run home run and not take him out of the. And then he gives up the home run. And he still leaves him out there. So to me, it's that, like if you're if you're gonna go along with that logic, then why can't Bruce Targraderall, who got one out in the eighth inning, only threw seven pitches, why can't he come back out there for the ninth so we don't have to deal with Jansen? Yeah, like I said, the the move. The move to bring in Trinan in the fifth just was the absolute domino effect of everything, uh, because just follow the, follow the dots. I mean, you you let but Arias it did, finish it didn't the need inning. to it didn't need to be though. It, uh, that's my point. It's like yeah, yeah, it ended up being a domino effect, but it but it didn't need to be. These were these were dumb decisions that that were made in a row. I agree. I think the most glaring one was sending Baez back out there. I you know I, I've I've seen some numbers Baez. While it feels like it, because all of his bad moments are when he comes in with men on base, he's actually not the worst uh, with men on base. But, you know, there's no reason after he gives up the home run to Lau to send him back out there. Dylan Floro exists. He is, in fact, alive. He is breathing and in the Dodgers' bullpen. Uh, why are we going to carry these guys if we're not going to use them? I, I, I don't understand it. That's a good point. All right, so anyways... Closing this game out, this hap- this same this game took place different year, obviously, on the same day of the Bill Buckner era, and boy, did it! Because of really... course it did. Yeah, exactly. And yes, Taylor, horrible defensive fielding out there. A Rosarena had should not have been able to reach to third base. That was just insane. Let alone home. But then Muncie makes a kind of a bad throw. It's not as bad if you really watch it in slow motion but will smith who even said it himself said he said he should have caught that ball 99 out of 100 times well that one time did not go well he just took his eye off the ball he admitted it and it went past him and kelly jansen who said it doesn't matter should have backed smith up but he didn't and that's that's the ball game that play was just a mess everything horrible it was it was one of the it was one of the quickest collapses i've ever seen like that was like one of the most epic meltdowns it happened in one in a millisecond it was just like the game was over and you didn't know you didn't even know what hit you 
Jansen so, was, I believe, he had six pitches with two strikes and two outs and couldn't finish him off. Yeah, he couldn't finish off Brand, Brett, sorry, Brett Phillips, who hadn't done nothing in his entire career until that moment. You got to get him out. You have to. Yeah, you really do. Throws a cutter right down the middle. It's just insane. On one and two. Yes. So, one and two count. So, yeah, that's to just close this out. I think we need to see the end of Will Smith at catcher for the rest of this season. We're going to dive into game six right now. It's going to be Tony Gonsolin, who didn't pitch much in game two, only got four outs against Blake Snell, who had the Dodgers no hit through four innings with nine strikeouts. But then he wasn't able to get out of the fifth. He allowed two runs. Chris Taylor home run. Yes. So, uh, all right, so let's preview this game. Real quick, what do you want to see from the Dodgers? Um, so I'm just going to read the question right now. Which This is from at Ray Coyoza1982 on Twitter. Which pitchers will they use besides Gonsolin? Look, I think, I think Robert's already said Bueller, Arias, and Kershaw are not going to pitch in game six. Yes. Um, so with the off day, I think that means anyone else. Uh, I think we're going to see Dustin May again. Uh, we're yes. definitely going to see Bruce Dargratterall, who didn't pitch. Uh, I don't know about Kenley Jansen. I think it's going to dictate – the score is going to dictate a lot there. You know, knowing how often we use Trinan, we use Trinan too. And I, I think it's going to be an all-hands-on-deck approach, except for uh, having Bueller and Arias and Kershaw, who pitched you know, yesterday, ready for Game 7. And I think that's smart because I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily want Bueller in there on short rest. I mean, even though, even though he could conceivably do a, a game six, I just, with his blister issues, um, I just want as, as much rest as possible in between his starts. And, and if, if we do, in fact, go to a game seven, uh, obviously you want Bueller on the mound for that and you want Urias available for that. I just hope that the Dodgers are able to, to, to close out in game six. Like I really do because so much can happen in a game seven, even with Bueller on the mound, you just never know what can happen. I mean, I, I thought we were going to win game four. Like I thought we were going to cruise and win that game. And then you saw what happened. Just an absolute meltdown catastrophe occurred. And so that, that could very easily happen in a game seven scenario. I think with Gonsolin on the mound, I don't know what they've told him in terms of what his role is for that game, but I hope to God that they tell him to make an actual start. They did. They did. Okay, they he did. They want five, five or six innings. Yeah. All right, that's great. I don't know why it's taken them so long to do that, but I'm glad that they eventually saw the light because him as an opener is just not a good idea. Some people are built for it. Some are, some aren't, and it's your job uh, in in the management management position to to determine who's right for that role and who isn't. And so for Gonsolin, I think that that's terrific, and I hope that we we will see the Tony Gonsolin that we saw throughout the entire regular season, which was just absolute filth and dominance. Yeah, and that you said it. Uh, they need Tony Gonsolin to show up. Uh, he hasn't had command really at all this postseason, uh, and they need him to show up. I mean, this is a guy who I think it was Baseball America just named him their Rookie of the Year, uh, and uh, it's it's that simple. He's got the stuff. Now that he knows he's actually going to be starting like a normal start, uh, hopefully that this this is a turning point for him. He's got the jitters out. Uh, let's let's get all that behind him. Uh, get command of the slider. Get command of the splitter, and, and go do what you do best, which is pitch well. He's a great pitcher. He just needs to show up and have command. Yeah. We already addressed it, but just to recap, Big Hoon at Pearl Doyers wants to know if we should bring in Bueller in game six to shut down the door. Uh, no, I think we got to save him for game seven, so that we don't need to retouch base on that. But Well, David was ready to bring him in last night. I was, I, and I'll just touch on that for one second. Yesterday was supposed to be his bullpen day anyway, um, so I was full send on bringing Bueller to close in the ninth inning. Luckily, you know, Blake Trinan is, you know, Blake Trinan. Uh, but in that scenario, after witnessing what happened in game four, I was 100% on the let Bueller close the door in, in game uh, five yesterday. All right. So 
Just to pitch the lineup real quick, I think Austin Barnes has made his case that he needs to be the catcher. It doesn't matter what pitcher has been on the mound. Barnes is getting the job done while Smith hasn't. And Barnes's bat hasn't been the auto- automatic out that many fans had claimed to be either. So well, for the, for the it, was, it, was it was for a while. It let's was. Be, let's it was be fair. It's not a claim. It's a fact. That was <laughs> yeah. for like yeah. eight games. You just got just calm eight down, games. People. Look at no. what happened in 2019, Kevin. The Dodgers was, got the Dodgers got knocked out in the NLDS and Smith had one hit, so I guess it wasn't so great after all. Yeah, but he had he had what 15, 16 home runs in the regular season. I mean, like he come was on. hitting one eighty. They had to matter. send him to the minors. He was he we, was we an automatic be, out. For we don't a while. need to be talking about this. We're in twenty twenty. All I want to say so, about all, all I want to say about Austin Barnes is that when the facts uh, when the facts change, so does my opinion, and so. Yeah, he was not I did not want him in the lineup, uh, you know, every every you know, every other day during the regular season. He did not hit well during the regular season. But when it got time towards the postseason and into the postseason, he's shown up. So yeah, of course. But the same thing goes for Chris Taylor or AJ Pollock, where it's like during the regular season they were great, but in the postseason they've not been great. So so I'm fine with not ha- putting them in the lineup. Okay, so we're going to talk about the lineup real quick. Just to, so if we have Barnes in at catcher, I think almost everyone is on board with that now, which is kind of crazy to think. So we got Pollock. I think you would put him at DH over Smith. I don't no. know if you guys agree no. with that. No. no, 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 not at all. Didn't wasn't Pollock the one who got a double off a lefty? No, Pollock doesn't have a hit. I don't think in this. He, he got a double. I'm quite certain of it. Well, if he got a double yeah, he has or not, one hit, one hit, but I don't think it was off Snell. And I'm nonetheless, sorry, lefty. I said, even though Smith, you know, is still struggling per se, uh, you can't bench him. You got to put him at DH over AJ Pollock. You have know. to. He's, he's ice cold. He's batting like 143. Pollock, and, Pollock. This is a very favorable matchup, despite what his postseason numbers have been. Can't. Yeah, do. but you, but you have, but you also have Kike. You got to start Kike. And then you put Taylor, even though he's been kind of You're going to start too. Taylor. Taylor homered off Snell. You're going to put Kike at second, uh, Taylor in left, and Smith at DH. So I think that's it's going to really that's what come they're down. Gonna do. It's going to come down to Pollock and Smith. I'm pretty certain of it. They're not taking Smith out of the lineup. Yeah. Smith is going to be the DH. Taylor will be in left, and Kike will be at second. I don't – Take I it don't, to the bank. I don't agree. I think Pollock's going to be in the lineup. If Smith starts over Pollock, I, I'm just going to quit this podcast forever. Like, you mean I, the opposite? If Pollock starts over Smith? That's what I meant. Yeah. So apparently in, court, in this scenario that I've set up, I'm quitting either way. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, meant, I, I obviously meant if Pollock starts over Smith. I, I don't think that's going to happen. It, it's not. We'll see tomorrow, I guess. But – all right, closing it out. Do we want to make our predictions? Who do we think is going to win this game? I I don't. I, I hate making predictions. I, I really right. do. I, so, I feel sorry, if they lose, I feel responsible. Sorry, listener. We're you know, we're not going to do that then. Last question at Mandalay Five on Twitter: Which Dodgers will not be employed next season in Dodger blue based on this World Series? I think every Dodger that's currently a free agent will. Be, has earned their right to come back. I don't necessarily mean that they will come back, but the one that is a free agent who lost his job and shouldn't come back is Pedro Baez off his World Series performance. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough decision in terms of the finances for sure, uh, but I think Turner's for sure going to be back. I think Trinan will be back unless you know someone opens a checkbook in a big way. I'm not sure about Kike. I'm not sure about Jock. I'm not sure about Baez. Uh, I don't think Alex Wood will be back. Uh, but I think it's safe to say Turner for sure will be back. I have a feeling that Pollock – I mean, not Pollock, Jesus uh, – uh, that, that Jock Peterson will get a, a bunch of offers from a bunch, from a bunch will, of different teams. He will, and he should. Because he's a, he's a starting outfielder on any other team. Um, and even though even though his his numbers against lefties aren't great, I think any team would be lucky to have him. And the Angels almost did. And I'm really happy that that deal didn't go through because of what he's done in the postseason. He's hitting 400 in the World Series. He's got a home run, three RBIs. His OPS is 
1.155. So he, Jocktober is a real thing. It is. Shout out to Max Muncy real quick. 522 on base percentage with one home run and six RBIs. Corey Seager, his entire postseason slashing a 344 batting average, 434 on base, 1.215 OPS, eight home runs, 19 RBIs. Just a couple Dodgers players that I wanted to highlight real quick, having Octobers to remember. If there's any other Dodgers you guys wanted to give a quick shout out to, and then we'll jump right into our final thoughts. Just Max Muncy. The fact that he has uh, 20 walks this postseason, he's tied with Gary Sheffield uh, for second all time in a single postseason. Of course, the uh, the number one guy in, on that list is Barry Bonds, who had 27 walks in 2002, but 13 of those were intentional. And I think that even the ones that weren't intentional were intentional in a way because they were trying to pitch around Bonds. And I think what makes Muncy's feet more impressive is that he works hard for every single one of his walks. They are not trying to pitch around Max Muncy. This dude, I feel like every time it comes up to the plate with a three and two count, he is always, always working, as David likes to call him, a professional count worker. This guy is unbelievable. And uh, his on-base percentage for the postseason is a ridiculous 461. So I think his 20 walks this postseason is far more impressive than anybody else's. Yeah, and I think he's one or two three-ball counts away from being the, the number one passing Barry Bonds for the most three three-ball counts in a postseason as well. Uh, this dude is so comfortable uh, getting to two strikes in a count. He, it doesn't matter to him. Uh, and... I think after baseball, he should become an umpire because this dude has the best eye in the major leagues. He is knows when to take, knows when to swing. Uh, it's it's truly impressive. I love him in the four spot. He's worked the count like no other, and that's incredibly important, uh, especially against this Rays pitching staff. So, yeah, Max is doing a great job. Obviously, Kevin, you mentioned Seager, Turner, and Jock, all with OPSs over 1,000. Uh, this team is is getting contributions from pretty much everyone. Uh, but I, I, you know, you, you got to shout out the relievers as well. You got to shout out Victor Gonzalez last night, Dustin May, Gratterall has been good. Uh, Trinan, obviously, uh, it's, it's been a team effort. And of course, Kershaw, Bueller, Arias, everybody. Another stat involving the number two, the Dodgers are the two out warriors. They broke the record and they just continue to add on to it with the most runs scored with two outs. I think it's up to 59 now. It's just insanity how good they've been. They're not rolling over like in years past when it'd be like, oh, shoot, the Dodgers have two outs, nobody on. Let's move on to the next inning. The mentality has changed. Now it's like two outs. It doesn't matter what batter's up. They try to make something out of nothing. And a lot of times it's really working out. And with runners in scoring positions and two outs, I think they're also batting like 340 or something. I can't remember correctly, but I just remember it was an insane stat. Yeah, they just get tougher with two outs. It's it's really interesting to watch because whereas you see on a lot of teams with two outs, you may you know not be invested in the at bat, or you may you know want to be aggressive and, and swing at the first pitch. The Dodgers are just so surgical when it comes to getting a rally together with two outs. I, in all the years I've been watching Dodgers baseball, I've never seen a team this you know, intense when it comes to two out rallies, and it is, it's awesome to see. And one more, th- one more guy I want to shout out yesterday, Cody Bellinger, uh, his two-strike approach yesterday when he hit the ground ball in between second, uh, second base – uh, that drove in a run after Corey Seager advanced to third on the wild pitch. Great base running by Seager, by Great the way. Great base running, but terrific job by Cody Bellinger to just put the ball in play, make something happen, use your speed, and drive in a run. That is that is something we haven't seen the Dodgers do in the past. Uh, Cody Bellinger didn't try to go for the home run, got the pitch outside, put it in play, and made something happen. Yeah, so something I want to say about Cody Bellinger since he just got brought up, you know, he had changed his batting stance entering the season and there were a lot of question marks. We weren't seeing the results. And then just throughout the season, he kind of was altering it. He found like a combination of what worked in 2019 and with the new approaches in 2020. And the difference has been, you know, in the postseason last season, he, he didn't get the job done. He was struggling to make contact runners on and all that. 
this season, Cody Bellinger, with the two strikes especially, his approach is just better. He's getting good contact on the ball. Game seven of the NLCS, the home run off Martin. Game one of the World Series, the home run off Glass now. And then this one to get the RBI to drive in Seager. So it's looking like whatever Bellinger did, it's finally all coming together. Maybe it just 60 games wasn't enough to, you know, get the groove going. But it seems like it's all clicking for him right now. So closing it out, final thoughts. I'm really hoping that there isn't a game seven. It's not because I don't want to see Walker Bueller pitch it one more time and absolutely dominate the Rays. I just want the title. I just, I don't want to mess around. I know that Tony Gonsolin is going for the Dodgers and I'm so happy that they told him not only within a large amount of time, because he said in his press conference not too long ago that they gave him a few days notice that this was going to happen. So that's good. And then the second thing is, is that they told him he was going to be, you know, an actual starter and that he wasn't just going to do the, the whole opener thing as he puts it. I think that that's huge. And I'm really, really uh, looking forward to seeing him um, pitch a full game, uh, whether that's five or six innings. I'd love to get that. That would be awesome. And I'd love to see the Dodgers come out and score early and just put this game away. I, I don't want to. I don't want to like be on the edge of my seat the entire time, like I was last night. And you then, will be no matter what. No, I know. But if we have like a five or six run lead. That's that's something where I'm not going to be as on the edge of my seat as if we oh, had you will. a one we, or we've been through enough trauma as Dodger fans where a ten run lead wouldn't wouldn't be safe at this point. Yes, I, I, I get what you're saying, David, but also like I just what I'm talking about is not a one or two run lead. Yeah. But like a but like a, a good, comfortable lead, like we had in game one. Like, yeah. I want to get to Snell as early as possible. I think he uh, had his way with us in the first game, so I like the fact that we're getting another shot at him. Um, but, yeah, I want to see this done in game six. My final thoughts are, are pretty simple. They got two games to win one. Uh, this is where, you know, heroes are born pretty much. I mean, who wants to be the hero for the Dodgers and, and put this away? Uh, it could be Tony Gonsolin. It could be a hitter it could be anyone uh and they have an opportunity that this team has never had before this specific team uh they weren't up uh three to two in in houston i believe i think they won game six and lost game seven they were, they, yeah they so they they down. haven't they, they haven't up been two up to, they were up two to one against the nationals well this isn't the, that's not the world <laughs> series but yeah they've never been up three to two in the world series this current team uh and this is probably the best dodgers team that has been in this run since 2013 so who's it going to be uh i'm excited to see who the hero is going to be uh i i think they're ready i think they're taking it one game at a time they're not even thinking about game seven and hopefully uh dave roberts manages like he did in game uh five instead of game four uh but but the key for that is the players can be can perform to the point where dave roberts can't mess it up if there is a Dave-proof team, it is this one. Uh, and if Gonsolin rolls, it will be Dave-proof. Uh, because I think they're going to get to Snell. I really do. And uh, like I said, who wants to be the hero? Look, this is how I kind of see it playing out. I think it's going to be a close game. If the Dodgers were to walk it off to win the World Series, it'd be the most epic thing ever. Do I want that to happen? No. What I would like to happen is that they absolutely shell Blake Snell. And this is like the Lakers just wiping the floor with the heat where we can just kind of celebrate in the first inning. Like, Oh, we're going to win this game. We don't have to stress. That would be beautiful. We've gone through enough heartaches and stress. I don't need any more years taken off my life. So We'll see if Blake Snell. We'll see if Blake Snell is a big game elimination pitcher. I don't think he's really been put in this spot yet in his career. So Kershaw has been in this scenario a lot of times, and early on he didn't come through. So we'll see. Can Blake Snell be a hero, or is he going to be the zero? So if the Dodgers do win the World Series, you're going to find me celebrating in the streets of downtown Culver City. I just want to throw that out there right now. But I'm not saying this series is over yet. The Rays have proven to be a very resilient team. And they said it on Fox last night. The Yankees referred to the Rays as like cockroaches. 
They don't go away easily. So we can't get too ahead of ourselves just yet. But this is going to be the last episode until the series is over. So I hope you guys enjoyed our content throughout the season. So the next time you're going to hear from us, we're either going to be celebrating as World Series champions or we're going to be asking the what the what ifs and what went wrong. So let's let's see what happens. Whatever happens, just know I'm already dead inside, everybody. I'm already <laughs> dead inside. You want to say Astros suck one more time just for the hell of it? Astros suck. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Incline. You can find us on your favorite podcast streaming service follow us on twitter at the incline pod and you can follow us on twitter you'll find our twitter handles below thank you all for listening please subscribe enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.